Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 11 of Master the Mouse podcast. I'm Aaron and I'm back. I just spent a week at Disney and excited to to be back and share a little bit about it. With me, as always, is Griffin. Griffin, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Good to be back, Aaron. Uh, I did not go to Disney World. I have been at work all week, so I'm excited to hear about your trip. I'm excited to share everything about it. I, I do. Reality has sunk, has at least started to sink back in and I'm no longer at the happiest place on earth and so just not even being there makes me a little sad but i'm gonna fight through it and and get back to my normal routine as best as i can yeah at some point we might need to do a show on how how to cope with the post disney world uh, hangover because it it is real yeah almost like a therapy session i like that idea yeah that might be a money-making proposition for us um so yeah and everybody goes through that right Oh, yeah, I do that with lots of vacations, but it seems especially potent when you're going from Disney World to the real world. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, yeah. as always, hit us with the question of the, of the episode. Sure. All right. So, um, as always, I ask you a question. Um, you do not know this question. I may ask you a lot of questions this week. but um, So, I want you to tell me, overrated, underrated, or properly rated, I want you to tell me about split stays, and maybe you can explain to the listeners that don't kind of know the Disney lingo as much as others might, um, what a split stay is, and I believe you just did one, and then tell me what your thoughts are, overrated, underrated, or is it properly rated? Okay, yeah, so a split stay is anytime that you're staying at a Disney resort, or resorts, rather, and you move resorts throughout the course of your trip. So, for instance, what we just did when we went down to Walt Disney World was we spent the first part of our vacation three nights at Old Key West, and then we transferred mm-hmm. and spent the last three nights of our vacation at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And so the split stay is just um, sp- staying at the different resorts throughout the course of your trip. Some people love it, some people not so much, and other people um, don't even consider it an, an option. Where I fall yeah. on that is it depends on the resort or the resorts that okay. you have listed because. If you're going from, it's, it's never going to be a good idea if you go from the Polynesian to an all-star resort. That's just, you know, you're okay. going from the best to a value resort, and it, that's tough to do. I think in mm-hmm. general, I would fall on the overrated Okay. on split stays. It seems, I, like, I, seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. Now, Disney does a great job of taking care of you in those instances. So they, I mean, when we moved from Old Key West to Animal Kingdom Lodge, we, you know, literally just called the bellhop. They came up, they took all of our bags, they took them to our new resort. They brought them directly to our room when our room was ready. So we didn't really have to do anything. So they make it really easy. But just the hassle of like having to pack all your stuff up in the middle of the vacation, then unpack it all when you're at your new resort, it kind of feels a little rushed. You never feel settled throughout the course of your trip. Right. So if it were me, I'm going to say it's overrated. Now, that doesn't mean I won't do it. Obviously, we just did it for this trip. Yeah. And it's a great way to kind of experience several of the resorts, resorts if you're you know trying to get to know which ones are your favorite. It's a great opportunity to do right. that, but I think for the most part, I'm going to say overrated on that. I, I, I think I'd just rather okay. stay at one resort the whole time. 
yeah, I can see that. And every, I'm sure everybody's situation is different. I just think about trying to get my family of six into one hotel, much less doing that again in the middle of my vacation. Just, I think it would be tougher on me than it would be somebody with a smaller family or older kids than you and I have. Yeah, maybe if it were just, you know, um, a single couple, you know, no kids, no extended family with you, just, you know, just a couple experiencing Disney together. And then I think it might yeah. be a lot of fun to kind of resort hop and you don't have a whole lot of things that you have to move together as far as, you know, it seems like when you take kids, the amount of luggage and just things that you have to pack grows exponentially. Yeah. And so if oh, you yeah, could avoid totally. that, then then I think it would be a lot easier to do. But but anyway, that's okay. that's my results. I'm going to yeah. say overrated. Well, have you guys done a split stay? Uh, we have not. We have not. I mean, we've done them in certainly not at Disney World, but like at other places where you kind of jump hotels. Like when I, I actually just went to Boston and we did something like that. But no kids, so it was kind of a poor comparison. So I have not done one. I think the things that always worry me is like, like you said, getting packed and getting your stuff packed and then still trying to hit a rope drop or an early morning fast pass that same morning. And I think that would, I think that would stress me out a little bit, but the longer your trip is, I feel like the more interested in it I would become. Uh, just, if, just so you could experience two different places. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we well, Good are... to know. So we'll overrate it. Yeah, overrated. I, at least in my book. At least in my book. Okay. Well, as I alluded to before, I am back from a trip to Walt Disney World for a week, and we thought this would be a great opportunity. Griffin actually is going to ask me a bunch of questions. He and I purposefully have not talked to each other about my trip, so uh, I don't know any of the questions. He's going to ask me several just about my trip and strategies and things that happened, and I'm going to answer them and shed some light on, on how we did this vacation and the things that went well and maybe some of the things that didn't go so well. So I'm going to hand it over to Griffin to kind of MC this episode, and he's just going to fire away with, with some of the questions about this trip that we just took. So Griffin, the floor is yours. Great. Yes. I've been anxiously awaiting to hear about your trip. I was just telling you off air. I've been purposely trying not to text you um all week and get feedback as as you go um and then as the listeners will probably see i think um hopefully from the questions at least the things that interest me are not or can be fairly specific or i think our goal is for this to be something that's helpful for the listeners and entertaining and not just a blow by blow of hey what aaron woke up on day one he took his family here we we hope to kind of come up with things that'll peel back the onion a little bit and, and show people kind of how you use your disney skills to uh move about the park all right so my first question what is the longest line that you waited in for a ride all week the longest tell me the, circ- the, the longest time the longest time you waited to ride something and maybe tell me the circumstances of of how that happened and if it was part of the plan or something that kind of didn't go the way you wanted okay yeah so the very first day we rope dropped hollywood studios our whole goal is so we had rider swaps for Slinky Dog Dash and we had rider swaps for Alien Swirling Saucers. And so I knew I had those two rides covered in the Toy Story Land and and just full disclosure, we hadn't been to Toy Story Land yet. So this was a new experience for all of us. And I right. should also say we had a party of eight. And of those eight, I had a one six year old and one infant. And so I had two children and six adults. Yeah. So that's how the math will work out in this. So I had rider swaps for everyone to be taken care of for riding Slinky Dog Dash and for Alien Swirly Saucers. So the whole point of us rope dropping Hollywood Studios was to get into the park as early as we can and make a beeline for Toy Story Midway Mania. And the goal was going to be okay. to ride 
that ride and then utilize our fast passes, which were morning fast passes that we had for the other two attractions with the rider swap. So we get into Hollywood Studios, we make it all the way back to Toy Story Land and Toy Story Midway Mania is down. It is, it's already broken first thing in the morning. And oh man, we, we get up into line and we notice that the, the line, the queue is lined up outside. I was like, man, that's a little unusual that the line is already backed up outside of the entrance for this particular attraction because typically people are going to Slinky Dog Dash and or Alien Swirling Saucers. Yeah, yeah, just because they're new, sure. So we're lining up, and the cast members walking up, and they're like, hey, the ride, the attraction's down, they're working on it, we're not sure when it's going to be up, there's only one of, so in, in Twister Mini Way Mini, there's three separate tracks, and what uh -huh. I found out in this instance is that one of the tracks is designated for fast passes only. I didn't know that prior to this okay. trip. And so they were like, hey, there's one track that's working, but it's the fast pass line. And, you know, obviously we're not going to let everyone go through that line. So we have to wait till the other two lines get up and we don't know when that's going to be. And so we're standing there and 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by and we're still standing in line. And the cast members keep saying, you know, don't we don't recommend you waiting in this line because we don't know when this attraction is going to be open. Well, by this time, the park opened at nine. By this time, it's like nine twenty. My first fast pass for Slinky Dog wasn't until 9.40, so I knew I had time to wait. I mean, I would have had to have waited right. anyway. We were hoping to ride that right. attraction a couple of times before we had to go over to Slinky Dog. So I'm, we're standing there. One, two, two people in our party end up going over to Alien Swirling Saucers and walking right on that ride and riding it once right. while we continued right. to wait in line. And then about, right. I don't know, about 9.30, so we've waited in line for maybe 30 minutes. About 9.30, the cast member tells us that we can come into the line queue, but they're not going to let people on the ride. So we start meandering through the line queue, and lo and behold, we get up to the front of the line. There's no one else in the ride. The ride's gone, and they just let us in. And so a couple of, a couple of morals to this story is that just be patient. Like So in this instance, they kept saying, hey, the ride's down, the ride's down. I knew that if we left this line, there was no way we were going to come back and ride this ride throughout the course of the day just because our, our touring strategy wasn't going to allow for it. And so, I, and I knew right. that I had time to kill because my fast passes for the other two attractions didn't start until 9.40. So I allowed myself right. enough time and we just waited it out. So we ended up waiting about 30 minutes for that ride, which was the longest line that we waited in all week. And it worked out. Yeah. It was in the morning. It wasn't quite hot yet. By the way, the week that we went, it, the heat wave broke records in Central Florida. Oh so gosh. it was a in October? unbearable. Yeah, it was 95 plus in Orlando in October last week. So oh, uh, that that wasn't a great experience <laughs> as far as the heat is concerned. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. so long story short, that was the longest line that we waited in. It was about 30 minutes for Toy Story Midway Mania. Yeah, well, that's a tough spot to be in when your ride, your rope dropping um, goes goes down. That's an and, and just like you described, I mean, really, anywhere else you would have gone, you would have had to leave Toy Story Land, you know, pretty much because you already had fast passes. So that, yeah, I think you you made the best of a, of a poor situation there. Yeah, it just it was uh, unbelievable to me that the ride broke down before the park opened. It was just it was like of all the luck, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think you made the right call, and I. I think that this is something I'd try to remind myself too is, you know, if, if you have a fast pass for something and it goes down, they'll take care of you. You know, they give you the anytime fast pass. You can come back and ride anytime. 
but there's really when you're rope dropping something even though you shouldn't be waiting for that just like you guys for Toy Story Midway Mania there's when that happens and breaks down there's nothing there's no protection there's nothing that you can come back and say hey we rope dropped it we were first in line so we should be able to ride this once it comes back online um, so it's really if there's a ride that you're going to die if you don't ride you, you need to have a fast pass for it because even rope dropping um, comes with some risk yep absolutely yeah okay um, so I wanted to know, um, did you use the, I haven't done this yet cause it's fairly recent, but did you use the, uh, on your phone now you, sh- you can get the bus wait times. Is that, did you make use of the bus wait times at all to, um, help time your trip and your trips back and forth from the parks? So the, the quick answer to that question is no. Okay. The, the long answer is I tried. The, okay. And I don't know if it's if it's just my phone because it's an older iPhone model, or if it's just the fact that the my Disney Experience app. Look, as much as I love Disney, and you know we have this podcast, and, and most of our our social life is devoted to talking about Disney, the My Disney yeah. Experience app is awful. It is oh, yeah. unreliable. Yeah. It's slow. It crashes. And every time that I tried to get bus wait times, it my app would freeze and then it would shut off. Oh gosh! So oh, about okay. after the second well, day, I quit looking. But I will say, yeah, sure. I will say that that at each bus stop at your resorts, they do now have kind of TV monitors up in the corner, and they have the wait times that the that you're gonna wait for the bus to arrive. And so, for instance, when we yeah. were at Old Key West we would walk to the bus station that was closest to us, which happened to be at the hospitality house as well. And it would say Epcot bus arriving at 8.34 a.m. And the current time is 8.30 a.m. And so you could kind of get a feel for when the next bus was going to be there, how long you needed to wait. And for the most part, it was pretty accurate, the things that were on those TV monitors. So we did utilize that. There were a couple of times that we would show up to the bus stop and say, oh, there's 10 minutes left. Let's go refill our drink mugs or something like that. I, yeah. Okay. Well, and it seemed to be pretty accurate to you. I know the, the people had said for the most part is pretty decent. Yeah, it was pretty accurate. Aside from not getting to use the app itself for that, and and also it is kind of hard to get to in the app. You have to kind of go through your reservation and then click your hotel, and then once you do that, then you can get access to like your bus time, bus wait times, and and other things that are specific to your resort, like unlocking your door with your phone, which I did one time, and I didn't like that feature either. I prefer to use my Magic Band, but yeah, again, that that has more to do with the MDE app itself than anything else. But we did utilize the bus right. times, just not through the app itself. Okay, all right, well that's good to know. Yeah, it doesn't sound all that user friendly, but if you're going to spend that much time, you might as well just walk down to the bus stop and wait. Yeah, um, you know, let, let me waiting for your phone. Yeah, no kidding. And let me add this. Here's an here's an upgrade that I wish Disney would make that they haven't. Is I wish that they would have those TV monitors at the parks for your return trip back to your resort. You oh, can. Yeah, well, they don't have that. No, they don't. And what it would be really nice is if you're waiting in line at your, at, you know, if we're waiting in line at Old Key West to grab a bus back from Epcot, I'd like to know how long it's going to be until that bus comes. You never know. When you're standing in that line, it could be five minutes. It could be twenty-five minutes. So it would be nice, yeah. to, especially when you got kids that are whiny or hungry or have to use the bathroom or whatever. It'd be nice to know how much uh, time is it going to be until that next bus comes. So I wish they would add that feature that they don't currently have. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I think I, I hate the unknown of waiting, like sitting in traffic on the interstate. 
same idea waiting in a line that's broken down or waiting on a bus it's it's the unknown like i just i hate the waiting so um i agree with you um okay well maybe they'll maybe they'll clean that up one day all right tell me tell me your best meal if you had to pick one um which i know this is you and i could talk about food all night if we if we tried oh yeah and we don't have to try we we could easily though this is this is an easy question to answer we ate at, I'll, okay. I'll do the rundown of the places that we ate at, then I'll just tell you what my most favorite meal is. And it wasn't even close. It was by far and away the best meal that I had all week. So in order, okay. we ate at uh, Homecoming Florida Kitchen. We ate at Hollywood and Vine. We okay. ate, we I'm ate. Sure, I'm sure that's going to win, right? No, no, no. Unfortunately, okay. uh, Hollywood and Vine is not going to win. Uh, we not had known for winning these sort of contests. <laughs> we had dinner at Ohana. We okay. had lunch at Sanaa. We okay. also had lunch at Tepanito. And okay. then in, we in Epcot. Yes. And then we closed okay. our trip with breakfast at Boma. Okay. That's a nice nice selection. Okay. So what tell me about or you you're welcome to tell me about more than one cuz I'm excited to hear about all that, but what what would you rank number 1? A number one, hands down, and it's not even close, is Homecoming Florida Kitchen. Really? Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That meal was unbelievable. Now, it's probably not the best value for your dining plan credits for a table service meal, but, uh-huh. but as far as quality of food, it was spectacular. And so I'll, I'll just tell you a little. Disney Springs? Is that where that is? Yeah, it's Disney Springs. We ate there the very first night that we got there. We we arrived on a Sunday morning and we had dinner there on Sunday evening. Now, I will say that we had a, a pretty great experience. Now, we did have to wait a little bit for our table and we did have an ADR, but they were a little late getting us a table. We had a, a rather big party again. Like, like I said, we had eight people, but we ended up with a table out on their screened in porch that is sitting over the water and there was live music and there was a nice little breeze. It was cool. Even though the temperatures were really hot, they had a ceiling fan right above us. So it ended up being really nice. And then the food was just spectacular. The, their fried chicken, a lot of people say, you know, they're famous for their fried chicken and other restaurants think that they're famous for their fried chicken. And let me just tell you, this might've been some of the best fried chicken that I've ever had. It was fantastic. Also, they, okay. they just had good southern cooked food. And to top it all off, Chef Art Smith was there that night, came around to all the tables, was having conversations with people, stopped by our table and talked to us for a little bit. So all in all, the experience was great. The food was spectacular. I couldn't recommend it enough to people. If you're going down and you need a place to go eat dinner, make sure you have a reservation at at Chef Art Smith's Homecoming Florida Kitchen. It is, it's awesome. It was awesome. Okay, that's good to know. I think a lot of people here, you know, Boathouse kind of tops a lot of the Disney Springs list of places you gotta go. But um, I think at this point, there's so many good restaurants over there. I think there's probably more than one good decision you could make. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I'm sure you think he came by your table and just because he saw your Master of the Mouse podcast and. Uh, t-shirt and he's a huge fan you think that could have been it i you know i'm gonna just bump my ego on this and just say yes that's exactly why okay came. did you did you and did you wear it every day and just let it get dirty and dirtier so to rest the podcast or I, did you only wear it one day 
No, I will say I wore it more than once, and I had members Excellent. of our traveling family that wore it more than once. So another shout out to the to the Franklin screen printing company that helped. Oh no, not the Franklin, the factory. Um, excuse me, the factory screen yeah. printing company that hooked us up with our Master of the Mouse podcast shirts. Uh, we rocked them in the park, and people asked us about it, and it was awesome. So a big shout out to them. If you if you need shirts for anything, they're the people that can hook you up for sure. But yes, he. Yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna go out on a limb though, and truthfully say the fact that he stopped at the table in front of us and took pictures, and the table after us and uh, took okay. pictures. I'm gonna guess it wasn't the Master of the Mouse podcast shirt that I was wearing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I just have a vision now of you putting your kids into smelly three-day-old sweaty master of the mouse podcast shirts and they're in tears and they but you tell them they don't have a choice because because <laughs> da- daddy loves them <laughs> um all right so tell me uh, and see you might have to do some math on this what is uh what's the most fast passes you used in one day and and the circumstances surrounding it did y'all tear it up any one particular day on rides yeah well we tear yes we did any day that we were in the park we had fast passes for almost everything that we did there was very few times that we waited in a standby line calculating the number of fast passes that we had in any particular day is a little bit difficult for me to do simply because the way that our party was broken up having eight people and six of those being adults and because we had an infant and a six-year-old that couldn't ride all the rides we were able to really utilize and take advantage of the rider swaps Right. Yeah, that's true. That does kind of muddy that number a little bit. Yeah. And so what would what would I, what we did or what I did for this trip was set up rider swaps for just about everything that we did. So just a quick kind of example is let's take we'll, we'll take Toy Story Land and Hollywood Studios. So we had fast passes for and this is just the three that were allotted, you know, to start the day. We had fast passes for. Slinky Dog, we had fast passes for Alien Swirling Saucers, Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, Frozen Ever After, Star Tours, and that's it. That was it for that park. So we had okay. six, we had a set of six different attractions for fast passes, and we rider swapped most of those. And then after that, we actually went from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, and I was able yeah. to score fast passes for Soren and for mission space and we rider swapped those rides too so there was eight there were eight fast passes throughout the course of the day that we were able to get and we didn't wait in line in a standby line at all that day so that's just kind of a high level example of how we toured and took advantage of fast passes and took advantage of rider swaps okay yeah that's beautiful because i know you had you've explained on the show before kind of how you were planning those initial rider swaps but i guess i hadn't thought about it but even on your subsequent rider swap i think or fast pass i think what you're telling me so when you would get your fourth fast pass to go over to Epcot, you wouldn't get it for your party of eight you'd get soaring for four people and mission space for four or for however many people and now you've got two instead of one is that basically how you would look at it yeah yeah absolutely i think the okay. most the the greatest number of people i looked for a fast pass after our third one that we are allotted was three i would never look for more than three just because i okay. i have found that that's an a more attainable number to use when looking for those fast passes, especially for those marquee rides. And so okay. I would do it and do the rider swap. Now here, here's where we, <laughs> I'm self admittedly saying that I gamed the system a little bit. There was one instance okay. where I could only get a fast pass. I'm for, excited now. I, I could only get a fast pass for two. 
and I got it anyway. Okay. And, and the way that the rider swap works is it is good for you. It is good for three people not riding the attraction the first time. Right. So, so if I only got it for two and I have four more adults, I, I'm I'm short one fast pass, right? Because if they only give mm -hmm. me three, then that that is five, and I have six. I have six adults. And so and so here's what here's what I did. I I had an infant. And the first person with the fast pass would go up and take two people with him. And they would say, I need a rider mm -hmm. swap. Here are the two people that are going to ride after I ride. No questions okay. asked. They scan their magic bands, rider swap, good to go. Well, then I took the second person and took two different people with the same infant and went up and said, hey, I need a rider swap. And these are the two people that are going to ride after me. Again, no questions to the, asked. To the same to the same cast member? Same cast member. No questions okay. asked. Wow. Rider... Did you put a disguise on your child? No, and that was the running joke. Okay. They were like, you know, are we going to put, you know, glasses and a mustache on, on your kid? And, and it worked. It worked like... it. No questions asked. Scan the magic band. Yeah, you guys are good to go. So you are able to wow. use the okay. rider swap pretty effectively. I, here, Here's what I've learned a couple of tidbits for the rider swap people out there. Yeah. is that the cast members that are standing at the fast pass entry line that are doing the rider swaps aren't necessarily checking if you actually need a rider swap or not. What they're most concerned about is if you have three different people aside from the people that have the fast pass or going in the standby line, they're going to ride the ride. So they just want to have those people in front of them so they can tap their magic bands. They didn't ever ask me if I had an infant or if I had a child that didn't want to ride or anything like that, every time we asked for a rider swap, they said they would say, okay, who are the three people that are going to be uh, riding the attraction after you? And they would just want to scan their bands and then that that was it. Huh. So Interesting. And, that, and so the, that is, that's awesome. Yeah, so we were able to really take advantage of that. The other thing that I'll say about rider swap is that unlike it was when you had the paper ticket entry, you could use that like immediately like if you just ask for a rider swap someone could go in and then right behind them they could just hand them back the paper ticket and go right in right after and you could essentially it was just getting a free fast pass is what it was what it was ended up being with this right. one because the way the magic bands are linked you can't actually use the rider swap until the rider that has ridden it the first time is off the attraction here's my example huh. So we did this very thing for Cali River Rapids at Animal Kingdom. Okay. I went I went and rode the attraction and there were three other adults that were riding after I rode. And we wanted to see if we could ride together. So I went through the fast pass entry, scanned my magic band, got all the way to the second tap point, scanned it again and, and started texting him, hey, I've scanned it a second time, go ahead and use your rider swap and come on in. They would go up yes. to the fast pass entry line, tap their magic band, it would turn blue. And the cast member would tell them, hey, you can't enter the ride yet. You're waiting for your other rider to get off the ride. Okay. They tried that multiple times. Each time, denied, denied, denied. The minute I got off of that ride, they tapped their magic band, light turns green, they were going in. So to my best of my knowledge is that... How, do, how does Disney know? How do they know? That's crazy. Disney, it's all that, it's that Disney magic, right? Here's my guess, is that... Yeah. The RFID technology that is built into the Magic Bands, Disney is able to track you on the ride, attraction itself. And so they know where you're at in line or where you're at on the attraction based on how the RFID chip is reading your Magic Band. Similar to why they know 
your photos or your videos that are taken during the attraction, they're automatically, it's sometimes loaded onto your My Disney Experience app for your viewing. Right. Same yeah. concept, except they know now, hey, these rider swaps are linked to that Magic Band ticket because they've tapped them at the turnstiles and we're not gonna allow those rider swaps to come on until that person is off the attraction itself. And so that's that's my thinking there, but I did find that interesting too, that you can't actually use that rider swap until that person is off the attraction. Oh yeah, that is, that's very interesting. Or just kind of, it's amazing kind of how much work they put into this new, relatively new fast pass system of taking away the paper. Um, and it sound, sounds like it's pretty sophisticated now. And so, and now like if you and your daughter go in and get a rider swap, your daughter cannot be one of the three to come back through on the rider swap if she wants to ride it again with her grandparents or something like that. Now, I'm not going to say no to that. That's not something that we necessarily tried on this trip. Okay. So I don't I don't want to say no and that not, not, not be the case. But every time that we were asked, the cast member almost verbatim said the same thing. And that statement was, who are the three people that are not riding the attraction this time? Huh. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, before, like, we would do this, like, if your kid that likes a ride wants to ride the first time with the parents and the second time with the grandparents, they could be the third, you know, when they go back through with the paper fast pass. But it sounds like they're, and I don't know, it sounds like the words they were using would make you think you couldn't, you could not add on that rider swap if you were the one that was going through first. So right. that, that's, that's something we could probably, you know, find out for the listeners if someone's interested or I'm kind of interested in myself. So I'll go digging. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that though that even you know without the without the paper fast pass, I think there are still ways to utilize pretty effectively the rider swap with the magic band. Yeah. I will say that Disney is less concerned with having the actual kid with you to figure out what the rider swap is going to be, as opposed right. to when they were giving out the paper fast passes, they or the paper rider swaps, they would say, Okay, which child is not riding? They wanted to, you know, physically see them and then hand you the pass. There's less of that and more of, okay, who are the three people? It seems like their huh. attention is drawn now in a, in a different aspect, which, which you could probably take advantage of, if, if, especially if you have larger parties and you could split up those fast passes, similar to what we did on this last trip. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen what happened if you just rolled up and asked for one with no kid in sight. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And, and really, like, what would... I don't know. For our listeners that are a little more brave, I mean, what what exactly would be the harm in that? Well, I can you tell know, you. You could say, uh, I, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, you. What, what do they say? Like, we did it. Okay. And no one asked us any questions. We we walked up okay. again, Cali River, and it might depend on the ride too. I will say that yeah. we did it for Cali River Rapids. Our the infant that we were actually using the rider swap because of him was actually asleep in the stroller, and we didn't want to wake him up or get him out of the stroller. And he was around the corner, and if any of you are familiar with the way that the line works at Cali River Rapids, is it's almost like a U-shape. Like, you come in to the ride, and the Fast Pass entrance is right in front of you, and you get off the ride kind of behind that, around yeah. the corner on, on a bridge. And so they were kind of parked behind the bridge, away from the ride entrance, more towards the ride exit in the shade. And so when we got up, we said, hey, we need a rider swap. And they just asked, who are the three people that aren't, going to be riding the attraction this time scan their magic bands we walked onto the ride not once did they ask to see a child or to see who wasn't riding the ride we just simply asked for a rider swap and they verified it tapped magic bands and we were good to go hmm. that yeah that is that's quite enticing right there so i mean yeah just do with that what you will listeners but uh that 
that's interesting. And I think, you know, a lot of people I think are scared to bring their uh, young children to Disney. I know family members I've got that are waiting till their kids are older, but uh, what you're describing is basically a potentially, if your numbers work right, you could double your fast passes by bringing your small child. So go ahead and bring them on. They're free. They don't have to pay for the dining plan. They don't have to pay for ride, you know, a park ticket, um, and they get you free fast pass. Yeah, I'll say in, in for the sake of, you know, moving on to the next topic, I, I will say one last thing about rider swaps. What would really come in handy, and we utilize this a couple times as well, is if you have people that just aren't interested in riding a particular ride, there were instances where we actually swapped magic bands, where we would say, hey, we need a rider swap, and we got the rider swap and scanned their bands, and then one of the people was like, hey, I, I have no interest in riding this ride. In fact, I don't want to ride it. And so the yeah. person who, if they wanted to ride it again, they just simply swapped magic bands and walked up to the turnstile and tapped it and was able to ride it a second time. So if, if you're traveling, again, this, this obviously would work best with, you know, larger parties of, of six or more. It's really, you can't really effectively do it with a party of four or three. But right. if you have a larger party and you have folks that, you know, especially if they're grandparents or if they're little kids and they're like, hey, I, I don't want to ride, you know, Tower of Terror. Well, you can swap their magic band and, and the, the parent can just reuse the kid's magic band if, if you get a rider swap for it. So that's a way to kind of use an air quotes here, but game the system as well and, and end up with multiple experiences on single attractions based on rider swaps alone. Okay, man, that's, that's a great idea. Another great reason to bring uh, grandparents on, Absolutely. on the trip um, as well. Because they don't want to ride stuff. They just want to spend time with their kids while you ride stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so great for the listeners. All right, another question for for you. Tell me, um, did you have any days where you went park opening to park close, or were you taking breaks in the middle of the day? How did you structure your days um, in in general, and what did you anything you liked better than other things? This was an unusual trip for me. I'm I'm typically a park open to park close guy. I figured if I'm going to pay to get into a park, I want to be in the park as much as I can and utilizing as much of that time in the park as I can. I will say that there wasn't one day where we were in the park from park opening until park closing. Okay. And the first day that we were at Hollywood Studios, we ended up, and this is one of the few times that I texted you, I think, Griffin, is we ended up taking a break in the middle of the day. We, we went and did Hollywood Studios real hard for the first part of the morning. We left, went back to the resort, went swimming, relaxed in the air conditioning, again, because it was brutally hot in Orlando that week. Ended up yeah. finishing the day at Epcot. And then a few of us actually, after we did Epcot, went and caught the fireworks at Magic Kingdom. And so that was that was interesting too. So we... we were there at park opening and we were there at park closing, but we did take a break in the middle of the day. One of the yeah. other days we were at, okay. um, we did we did the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, and you can get in at four o'clock with that ticket and stay until midnight. We didn't get there until about five o'clock, okay. But we did stay till midnight, so that made for a long day. We did we did shut the park down that evening, and then the other two days, we were there at park opening but didn't stay and didn't even make it to a fireworks show in the evening. We ended up calling it a day right about dinner time and headed back to the resort to, uh, to relax and enjoy the evening there. I will say yeah. though that we did have, you know, two grandparents with us. We had uh, a, a lady who was expecting, my sister-in-law was expecting, 
and we had a one-year-old. And so there were a lot of different variables that went into why we didn't stay and why we took breaks and maybe we moved a little slower than we normally did. But I will say that it didn't, it didn't impact the amount of fun we had or anything like that. It just was a different way to experience the Disney parks. And I think we did it pretty effectively. Okay. Yeah. And you know how much I love the afternoon break. So, um, did you, did you like that or did it stress you out the whole time that you weren't in the park while your family was smiling around the pool? Yeah. So I have to say from a personal perspective, it did kind of hurt my heart a little bit to not be in the park, but yeah. having the break in the middle of the day, it was fantastic. That was the first time I'd ever contemplated it or even considered it, much less did it. And yeah. I, I, you know, we took a, a family vote and I lost the, the vast okay. majority of people wanted to go back and relax that afternoon, which is what we ended up doing. And all after it was all said and done, it was awesome. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed having that break in the middle of the day, was able to recharge the batteries and, and really close out the evening strong instead of being, you know, kind of running on fumes there as the park was closing. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad you're at least considering it now because I love to be in the park too, but I just, I, I love the break. Um, and that's another good reason to stay at a, ideally a deluxe resort that has good transportation and can get you, get you to somewhere pretty quick. So you're not, if you're off property, this becomes much more of a time commitment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, you got time for one more question. This one's short. Is flight of passage still the best ride in Orlando? Yes. With a caveat. Or did, or, okay. You wrote it, right? Or did you ride it this time? Yes, I did ride it this time and it was still as okay. awesome as it ever was. I will okay. say that alien, twir alien twirling tarsers has uh, overtaken it for you. <laughs> no, not even close. There was one okay. experience though that did trump my flight of passage ride this trip, and it was so I, I mentioned that we went to the Mickey's Not So Scary with Halloween party, and there are a couple of attractions in that party that are new or designed or created especially for the Halloween party itself, and it's Haunted Mansion. It is. Pirates of the Caribbean, it's the Mad Teacups, and it's Space Mountain. Yeah. So when we closed that park down, we ended up riding Space Mountain the very last thing of the evening. And for the Halloween party, what they do is essentially turn the music way up and turn the lights all off. It is literally pitch dark. You can't see anything in front of you. Okay. It was so fun. I, I was laughing to where I was crying. I couldn't breathe because I, you know, was trying to anticipate the the turns that the, the ride was going to make and was wrong every time. I was getting slung right. around. So if you have, you know, anxiety problems or back problems, I wouldn't recommend it. But just from a sheer joy perspective, it was yeah. the funnest attraction that I did all week. It was such a blast and couldn't couldn't recommend that more to anyone if they were interested in doing something like that it was a ton of fun it trumped for this trip it did trump flight of passage although flight of passage still hands down is, is you know pound for pound the best attraction but it just so happened that that experience itself was a ton of fun okay wow that's amazing that sounds great that, it always amazes me when they say you know space mountain i think it goes what like the one imagine kingdom i think goes less than 30 miles an hour or something but because it's so dark you, you it fills so much faster so i can't imagine if it was pitch black i imagine that that's taken to a whole new level yeah absolutely absolutely hey before we close this show i have just two things about this trip that i kind of want to touch on just real quickly i promise that we'll move on after this <laughs> okay 
First is we've mentioned before on the podcast about conference tickets. I used conference tickets for this trip. I purchased them, you know, several months prior to our trip. There happened to be a conference going on at the same time that our trip was going on. And so I, I purchased conference tickets through that website. Nobody asked me any questions about my ticket, about what conference, about anything about what I was doing with those conference tickets. And I bought them for myself okay. and, several, and several other family members as well. No one asked us any questions about the tickets or questioned whether or not we were at a conference. And so I just wanted to give some assurances to anyone out there that's contemplating on whether or not they would be purchasing conference tickets in the future, especially because right. of, you can get them at such a discounted rate. I didn't experience any issues whatsoever with any of the conference tickets that I purchased. And I purchased uh, four adults and one child ticket through the conference portal link. So um, just, yeah, just an awesome. assurance there for anyone listening. The second thing I want to mention is on our listener questions episode, we talked about any tours that we did that we would recommend. And at the time, uh -huh. and at the time we hadn't really, you know, said we had done very many of them. I did a new one this trip that I was so impressed with. It might be one of the tours that I book in the future every time that I go. And what we did is we did a, a private boat tour of Seven Seas Lagoon and Bay Lake, finished with a view of Happily Ever After on the lake afterwards. We did it for uh -huh. uh, my, my mom's birthday. The whole reason that we did it is we kept it a surprise. We wanted to give her a gift this year that was more of an experience with the family than a thing that you know we bought her. And so we kept it a secret and didn't tell her until we got down there. And I had my reservations about it just because I had never done it before. And it was a pontoon boat and it was dependent on the weather. And I wasn't quite sure what kind of view that we would get from seeing it from the water. I didn't know that we would, right. if we would be close enough to, to Magic Kingdom or to Cinderella Castle to be able to see the projection on the castle itself. I was amazed by this tour. And it, it all things considered, okay. it, it's relatively affordable because it's a flat rate and you can fit as much people as they'll allow on the boat. And so we ended up having seven of us on the boat. We left our, our infant in the hotel room. We had a babysitter that night. So there were seven of us on the boat plus, plus the, the captain. She was fantastic. She, you know, she took right. us around Seven Seas Lagoon and Bay Lake, was hitting us with all kind of different fun facts, telling us, asking us trivia questions. She was super engaging, really knowledgeable, a ton of fun. And then to cap it all off, we, we go and park in front of the, kind of right in front of the two docks that, that you can load and unload at Magic Kingdom. The view was incredible. I, I was blown away of how close we actually were able to get and the things that we were able to see on the castle itself. We had a great view of the fireworks. We had a great view of the projections. There was nobody around us. We didn't have to deal with the crowds afterwards or trying to get transportation back. The weather that night ended up being beautiful. There was a light breeze. We finished it by having, there's a there's a light parade that tours the Seven Seas Lagoon and make different stops. We kind of had a private showing of that. And then, you know, she uh -huh. took us back to the Polynesian docks where we kind of set off on our journey to begin that evening. We had drinks and light snacks on the ship uh, or on the pontoon boat, rather. So all in all, I was floored by the experience. I couldn't recommend it enough. It was it was spectacular. And it was uh -huh. one of those things that when we left, all of us, you kind of said, hey, you know, what was your most favorite thing that we did on this trip? And to a T, all of them were... Um, we're like, hey, that 
that little cruise that we went on was awesome. For anybody that's listening, our captain uh, ended up talking to her. She was a big podcast fan, so I told her about Master the Mouse, told her to give her a listen. So, uh, Rebecca, if you're listening, thank you for the cruise. It was awesome, and I'm going to tell a whole bunch of other people to book it with you and have you give them a tour as well. She was telling us about some of the tours that the cast members get to take that aren't open to the public, and I was fascinated by all the knowledge that she had and I was I had my phone out and was writing down all these fun facts that she was that was she was telling us about. So it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Couldn't recommend it enough to everybody. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like it was good for the the Disney nerd and you, but also for people that just uh, wanted to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of of the family that traveled with us, you know, I'm clearly the Disney nerd of the bunch. But the fact that you had kind of a private viewing of Happily Ever After, the music is piped into the boat. Again, there were snacks, there was drinks, there were blankets if it got too chilly. You know, with the wind blowing, being out there on the water, it did get a little chilly. So um, a couple of people yeah. curled up in a blanket. And it, it was just, all in all, it was just a, such a pleasant experience. And something that if you're looking for a way to kind of celebrate or you're looking for something to do a little bit romantic or you really just don't want to have to deal with the crowds and you're willing to spend a couple hundred bucks total, then it was nice. You know, we split it between... Uh, three different families and so we only each ended up paying like a hundred bucks it was it was 300 bucks to to do this cruise and it was worth every single penny and so it's something that if you're looking for kind of a unique experience to to take part in that this might be something worth considering okay yeah that sounds that sounds awesome thanks for sharing with with everybody because uh it sounds like something worth looking into yeah absolutely absolutely griffin do you have any more questions for me about this trip uh I do, but but I'll I'll save I'll try to save them for on air. But uh, maybe we can kind of keep. I'm sure some more things will will come up in the, in the weeks ahead as we kind of work through some more topics of things you picked up on this trip. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan, especially as you know we kind of wrap up the trip that I just took and we start gearing up towards the trip that you are about to take. Right. Yes. And I'll yeah you'll have to shut me up about that once I get within a month, both before and after the trip. So excited about that. Yeah, I'm not going to shut you up because that's the whole reason that we started this podcast. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that is kind of the idea. This is, this is all audio. So, yeah, we appreciate all the listeners uh, hanging with us. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're having a good time because we certainly are enjoying bringing this information to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys have any questions for us, if you have questions about an up tri- upcoming trip that you're taking, general questions about trip planning, or need some advice on planning your own trip, then feel free to contact us or message us. You can get us at any of our social media accounts. It's just Master the Mouse Podcast. You can search for it in Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We're on all three of those platforms. Feel free to message us or ask us any questions and, and we'll get you taken care of as best as we can. And, and we may even use the information that you send us or the questions that you send us on the podcast just for ideas to, to talk through. So if you guys would do that, okay. that would be awesome. Also, if you get a minute, Rate us, review us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on any of those platforms that you may be listening to us on. We love to get your feedback. We love to get your ratings. We love them even more if they're good ratings and good reviews. Uh, But if you have a minute and you enjoy listening to us just ramble on about Disney and how much we love it, feel free to give us a rating and a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Griffin, have I left anything out? You got it. All right, well, on behalf of Master the Mouse Podcast and Griffin, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. See you guys.